Welcome back to What Does It Mean to Be Instructional Designer? This is episode seven, and today we're going to be talking with Jeremy McLaughlin. Uh, he's a physics and astronomy teacher at Sullivan Central High School. Been doing that for almost a decade, uh, doing ninth and ninth through twelfth grade um, physics and, and astronomy. And uh, Jeremy and I, Jeremy and I both go to Old Dominion University, and uh, we we kind of headed off uh, in that our our kind of research interests are quite similar. We like the non conventional instructional methods, like uh, uh, you know, like games and simulations and stuff like that. Um, stuff where people are kind of uh, first and foremost like focused on engaging and kind of taking them out of a uh, typical instructional paradigms, if you will. Uh, we hit it off. We talk a lot. Um, he's probably the person I talk to the most at Old Dominion. Uh, so he was a pretty easy person to uh, get to do a podcast with me real quick. Um, but, you know, he's a, I think Jeremy's a great guy. I think um, he's got a bunch of really interesting experience with programming and uses of interesting, uh, you know, kind of technology, you know, solutions. Which is really, you wouldn't expect that probably based off of his resume, uh, but everything from, you know, kind of like robotics and RFID scanners, and he's done some really interesting stuff on the technology side, and uh, he and I right now are looking into some uh, kind of, you know, kind of fringe technology uh, that hasn't quite been uh, utilized in educational spaces yet, so I think we might do some more stuff there, and um, it's kind of interesting, so, um, but with, with that being said, um, this is the last uh, episode of the one-on-ones. Uh, there's going to be one episode after this that's just kind of the retrospective of the entire experience. It'll come along with a fairly robust uh, blog post that I'll throw up on LinkedIn for you guys to review at your leisure. Um, uh, and, and ultimately, it's been a fantastic experience. I, I, would, I could think of no one better to finish off uh, these interviews with than Jeremy. So without further ado, Jeremy McLaughlin. <laughs> Howdy, bracket, insert pleasantries, right? Um, yeah, so dude, uh, on the real, <laughs> right, exactly. On the real, uh, thank you for participating in this. You have no idea how insightful the whole experience has been. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I really mean that, even though I wrote that here and I'm reading from it. Um, <laughs> I do really mean that. Like, cause well, and, and like I was telling Heidi, like um, I, I certainly went into it with, uh, expectations, right? Because obviously I have my own experience with the matter and, I, and I, I, I've already kind of uh, tangentially uh, known and worked with several of you, right? You know, so um, tangentially or directly. And um, and what I think is impressive, uh, what I thought was impressive is, is just from the unobtrusive thing and just from the focus group, like I think, even, I think differently about the question and I'm like, holy shit, man. Like it's one of those things that's like, it's, it's funny how you know, you synthesize thought. So, yeah. So with that being said, today we're going to be doing a similar open-ended question space uh, as we were with the focus group, but obviously we're just one-on-one. Um, the basic overarching question, as it was the first time, is what does it mean to be an instructional designer to you, to specifically you, not the royal we, not uh, to those guys over there, but but in your experience, right? Um yeah, so we're, we're, I'm really interested in just what you have to say about the profession and your personal experience. Again, we're going to, uh, I'm not going to use a video of this because your hair looks better than mine, um, but. I also got out of the shower like 13 minutes ago, so. I, I am going to, dude, if I, if I had, if, if I just got out of the shower, my hair would be like so flat and just like, 
it would be worse than this, honestly. Like, at least I've got some volume at the moment, right? Um, right. So, News anchor Pomod. Uh, I, I forget. I forget what. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't remember the name of the company, but like they make soap and stuff like that. But like Duke something, but it's solid. <laughs> but um, uh, so yeah, the the same thing is going to apply. I'm going to wind up like cutting this up a bit. And, and turning it into uh, a maybe, uh, well, pro- yes, not maybe. I'm going to do that because I said I was going to do it. So uh, we're going to do the podcast thing uh, and, and it'll be interesting. Maybe we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll get exactly one view from my mom um, and that'll be fun. You can buy views on YouTube. Uh, I just did that for my church. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> no joke. I wrote, I ran like a Google ad campaign and like, bought a couple hundred views. It was, you know, they were homogenous clicks, but like, you know, had my keywords, had what I was targeting and like, all right, paid $2. And like, suddenly the next day, like, yeah, okay, here, you got these people from this place and they came from this video. So you you can buy it. We can get more than just your mom. Not that I would know anything about buying your mom. Both are acceptable. All right. (laughs) Um, All right. So I'm going to start off. Ready? So, okay, so since the focus group, um, did anything like shake loose, right? I'm not, I'm not thinking that it's for two weeks you've been ruminating just on the focus group and, and what that is, but sometimes, you know, sometimes we sit and we think about something for a bit and you've had time to reflect. So, you know, anything, uh, anything that strikes you as different now or, or has grown in your mind since we, we talked about it as a group? Uh, that you're willing to share in this more intimate setting, if you will. So what's interesting to me is the the first big caveat of I'm a classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. I have a background in instructional design and technology, but it was more in the technology and less in the instructional design, right? So mm-hmm. my, my interest, my background, um, and my comfort level is all focused on technology and technology integration into how people learn. Mm -hmm. So in going through the focus group and in going through the last year and a half worth of courses, almost two years now, um, it's that there's a lot more that falls under this umbrella. But what's cool is that there's just because it's, it's like being a general contractor right? Uh, You know how to do all of these things, but you don't necessarily do them yourself. So I'm starting to see designers more as not the guy who does the animation, not the guy who does the storyboarding, not the guy who does the programming, not, it's the person who can do all of it, but coordinates it, right? Makes the experience rather than does every little piece of it which makes it a lot less overwhelming as well. Um, I'm used to designing everything as a classroom teacher, right? So coming into it with, with that view of, I have to create the classroom experience, bring in the content, be the content expert, produce any of the the videos or the slides, or at least find the right place to steal them from online, you know, bringing in all of those things. I think what's cool about the, the job 
uh, about the field in general is that anybody who does instruction, anybody who's a teacher is an instructional designer to some degree, but it's just how much are they coordinating and on what level? Are you on the ground? Are you a thousand feet above? Are you 10,000 feet? Like what's, so listening to the, the other folks that were in the focus group, it was interesting to hear about their experiences and how, you know, some of them are, you know, more focused on one piece than the other and realizing that there's, there's room for all of that within the definition. Mm -hmm. That, uh, that segues very nicely into my second question, good sir. So um, I realized uh, like after, I, I, while I was doing the transcripting for the first one, um, that I, I completely like messed up one of my questions, like just wrong, right? And so um, it was about the models. So last time we, we talked about whether you're using models or not. And, and I don't even know why I asked it that way. It just, I, I, I probably got caught up in the conversation, if you will. Um, but what I was really like in my initial proposal and in my, my initial research protocol, like what I had actually wanted to talk about was if, if you look, <clears throat> if you consider that like Addy as it is, is generally speaking, what an instructional designer is doing, right? And, and it's, it is kind of at that layer beyond the guy making the animations, right? Like that, that's, that's its own thing, right? Or, or maybe not. Right. But the, um, you know, like based off of if, if ADDIE are the things that you are typically doing, right. For you yourself in your daily life, if you were going to give a percentage to each of those letters in Addy, what would the percentages be? And if that's too granular, which that's fine. If you were like, if, if you can't get that granular, like if, are there, certain letters that take up the obvious majority of your time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, again, as a teacher and seeing all teachers as instructional designers, whether they realize it or not, I think good teachers, just like good designers, have to spend a lot of their time in the beginning and end phases of Addy. Like they have to stay in the analyze and they have to stay in the evaluate because they're basically the same thing, right? So starting, starting with the problem and then at the tail end, did you solve the problem? Well, then let's go back to the beginning and reanalyze. I think the, the implement phase is incredibly short, right? I mean, for me, it's 80 minutes. I have a class. Did I meet my objective today in class? So, all right, that can be no longer than 80 minutes. And if there's a fire drill, well, then it's shorter. Um, my develop and design stuff, it depends on how holistic you want to be, is my development phase of that part of my education as a subject matter expert? Or is the, the development and the design part looking at you know, just what happened yesterday in class. And frankly, if you're waiting that long to do your, your analyze and, and evaluate steps, if you're waiting until the end of class and then not hitting it again until tomorrow, you've missed a lot of opportunities, right? Because there's, 
there is more than one learning opportunity in a single classroom moment, more than one learning opportunity in a single, you know, webinar or whatever you're designing for. Um, the good things are interactive and allow the teacher or the designer or both to jump in midstream and kind of kind of cut it apart it apart. So for me personally, I would say just because I'm a, a very like in my head person, you know, I think 50 to 60% of my time is in analyze and evaluate. Uh, implement is very, very short, 10 to 20%. And then design and develop, uh, I don't know, I, I think for me, uh, I don't know, 20, 30%. I think that'll add back up to 100 too, <laughs> maybe. But like, I, I can't spend um, watching teachers that spend hours and hours lesson planning for a single like 45 or 80 minute lesson. Yes, that's great. But also you may be trying too hard because you're trying to plan for every eventuality when frankly, you just need to get into it and start playing with it. And good teachers are doing analyze and evaluate every step along the way. That's why it has to take up most of the time because it's even in during the implement phase. I like it. That's a good answer. You win the day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Um, this is the last question, shockingly enough. I know. See, um, when we're when we're big boys and we focus on something, mm -hmm. knock it out. Right? Exactly. Get it done. <laughs> um how would you explain if if you were asked to explain to a company or an organization or anything, right? Anyone that's that that might be potentially asking why they need an instructional designer, what would be your answer? Well, I don't know if my answer is going to be good enough, Eamon, because somebody already told me I wasn't good enough this week. So it's, put it in the transcript. Keep it in the transcript. Damn it. It's going in. It's going in. Ah. We're doing it live. <laughs> um, you need an instructional designer because you need somebody that's an expert in pedagogy. That's an expert in how to teach, not necessarily teaching the thing itself, right? So like a good designer um, could become a good subject matter expert. Give them enough time with a book or with the resources or whatever. They can then teach the thing. But not all subject matter experts, as we are all painfully aware, you know, after how many years of higher education, not everybody who's an expert in their subject matter knows how to teach it. So the reason you need somebody to come in and design the instruction is because you need somebody that's almost like a, like a patient advocate in a hospital, right? The doctor's there and the doctor has two jobs, uh, 
keep you alive, cure the illness. But the doctor shouldn't be caring about billing, shouldn't be making sure that you're getting like your IV bags changed, you know, dressings fixed, you know, um, now I'm hungry for Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, like <laughs> there are all these other things that have to happen so that the sick person that comes in comes out healthy. So the designer is the person that makes sure that the unknowledgeable leaves as knowledgeable and that they get the right interaction with the subject matter expert or with just the subject matter. If you get to deal with the expert, even better. But there, there has to be somebody that is the advocate for the learner and make sure that the, the learner's experience isn't just haphazard information getting thrown at you, that it's actually, yeah, let's make sure this information happens in this step. Let's make sure we go back and measure that they learned that thing. Then let's build these interventions along the way. Hmm. Okay. So well, the Jeremy, real question is, <laughs> is that, <laughs> you're very welcome. Uh, yeah, is that I what mean, you do? I'm sorry? Is that what you do? So it's interesting because um, you'll, you know, at some point you'll be able to heal here. It's really interesting how yours and Heidi's um, comments on these questions are almost like a yin and yang. I mean, like really wild, actually. Like it, and it's, I think now, now I'm thinking about it, it's like, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm not trying to, I don't know if this point will get totally missed by the, by my mom who's listening to this uh, and the only person, but um, well, it's just really interesting how you guys more or less gave completely opposite answers, right? For really? these questions. I, it's very surprising, right? And, and not, but, but I, what, what I wind up, and this is kind of the thing that I, picked up on in the focus group is you guys have totally different answers, but neither of them are incorrect. And you're, you're so, I mean, that, that, that it's, it's interesting in that it gets a little bit into the whole definition thing. Right. And I know we as silly academic people, um, get into what does something mean? How do you operationalize the meaning of something? Um, but you know, like one of the, th one of the things that you'll see when I, uh, when I send you all the kind of, um, I'm going to send you all my assignments that have been, uh, cleaned up a little bit and made, made not so weird, I guess, but, um, I'm going to send you those. But, but the thing that I picked up from the focus group was just like, you know, comparing that and the unobtrusive data thing, you know, it's like, honestly, like I, more than anything, like I feel like empathy, right? Um, but it's weird because obviously I'm also in this group, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so my empathy for everyone else almost gives me to some extent like insecurity about like what the hell we're doing. Yes. Because there's all of this, all of this is very much in the eye of the beholder situation. 
And what sucks with that is, what kind of sucks with that is it, um, it's hard, it, it's hard to be objective, right? And, and this gets into the whole, like, is, is learning, uh, is instructional design a, a learning? Is it a, a art or a science? And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm consistently having a, a tough time answering that um, because, because it's both of them, right? It, because it, because there are, it's, 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 it's both. And the problem with that is, I guess my main issue and, and probably what you're experiencing right now is it's, it becomes really hard for me to articulate what I'm doing or what anyone's doing. Like, what does it mean to be an instructional designer? Or even worse, what they should be doing. Well, okay, so should is an interesting thing, right? So should is one of these trigger words for me at this point. Yep. And that comes from- I work on it every week with my therapist, right? (laughs) So should, like um, the Wheel of Time has this amazing line that I've got to find somewhere, but I think it's called, if uh, if should was wood, it would build bridges. Right. And, and like, it's this like weird, you know, like the wheel of time is, is in the, uh, is set in this kind of like it pre-industrial revolution thing. Like there's, there's, they're kind of getting to the industrial revolution, but it's in a fantasy world. So it's like, you know, but it's very, you know, so, but you, you've got all these kind of like interesting colloquialisms they use throughout the book. And, and this is set at one point, I remember highlighting it on my audible and I need to go through what book this was because I remember listening to that and being like, holy shit, like should, should's almost the problem. Like should comes with all this judgment, right? It should be this way. And like, uh, like it gets into some of that silly diagrammatical stuff we were talking about the other day in that class where you're like, no, like the system is, it's not controlled. Like, like, and, 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 and in that, and in that those nodes within the system are likely, they likely have gravity to them, which attract things. And, you know, so you've got these all like very like meta things, you know, that I'm immediately thinking about. Right. And then like the, if the person you're talking to say like in an interview or something like that, it asked you the question and I got into the nodes of the system have gravity. And the next question was guy like, so what's your skill level in articulate? Like, I think I would lose my mind because like, because like it's both and like, I get that, you know? So like, I'm having a bit of a hard time like operationalizing this to some extent, right? Because I, I think I'm like too deep into it now and I'm like, oh shit, like what am, what am I trying to say? Right. And I don't, I don't know if I have an answer, but it's just, it's really interesting the absolute just between you and Heidi and just like literally over the next the last hour how different the answers are neither of them are wrong but if if two people were applying to an instructional design position they would really really need to know from the person they're interviewing with what they mean by instructional design like like in and from what i can tell from the uh, job recs that i re- read through the answer to that is highly varied uh, and intersecting at times. Like there are some basic things that intersect quite, quite well, but it comes down to like the depth thing, right? Like how, how deep is like, 
Yeah. And, and like part of that, and then this Heidi brought up and maybe this is the, the thing to do is part of that maybe does need to just be, there, there needs to be better, you know, collaborative efforts. Right. So, so people know they're not alone out there, you know, and then they, they can talk to each other so they could be like, Oh yeah, this is normal or this is not normal or my use case is this. And that, you know, like maybe that is the solution and we just need to talk to each other more right. uh, cross-functionally. Um, but you know, I mean, I don't know. I did, did, in the end, I have no idea. I'm just babbling at this point, but it, it's, uh, it's just interesting. I think it's really interesting how disparate we can be, but all be in the same boat and all, also just, you know, not wrong. I mean, like we're, we're, that is completely accurate. I mean, like what you're describing in the A and the E being at the same time, that that's adaptive learning, right? You're, that's like, that's a buzzword in itself, right? And that's one of the primary benefits of doing instructor-led training because it's adaptive without spending millions of dollars on Watson to come up with code to adapt the information to the learner in a, in a distance-based environment, right? Right. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting. And, and, but that gets into the whole who's teaching and what is, you know what I mean? Like it, that gets into a very deep conversation that if the question being asked of the instructional designers, I need you to build this PowerPoint, they're going to be in a weird spot because they're thinking over here, but they're being, they're doing this over here. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like coming so in, in, in my, in my undying quest to trigger the libs, uh, Dr. Law asked us to, uh, write a discussion board post, which has triggered this lib about, uh, our IDT hero, preferably somebody who's alive, go through their CV and all that stuff. I'm writing mine without actually, uh, describing them. And I said, you know, person isn't currently alive, but my life and theirs overlapped, you know, and, and I go through all of this stuff. Um, it's Skinner. Oh yeah, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did, you, did, did your nipples just get hard too? Cause mine oh, did. Dude, so, dude, it's my, you got me, man. That's all you have to say. Thing. I'm on board. If we do those things, if we follow the science of teaching the thing, the student must learn it. The thing is, I, I, I can't just give you all of the ingredients to make a cake and you make a cake every time, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be different levels of the ingredient to do it, right? So how much time do I have to spend actually giving them the information versus how much time do they have to spend rehearsing it? Mm -hmm. That's where the art comes in. That cannot be a science because it's not the same it is not repeatable across students yeah in any situation at any age whatever you know yeah yeah the the only way it possibly could be is in like that's the that's part of the thing that i keep like running into is like it it would be a lot more possible if you lived in like orwellian you know like megastate where everything is controlled because yeah right but that's like that's not even what we would want no like, one's actually interested in that right you so you you'll never get to the thing you say would be necessary because you don't actually want it to begin with right it's it's very weird 
you know, but like, it's but we're being made to go that direction so that we can have a monolithic solution to all problems. Yeah, and um, that's obviously strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, yeah, it's interesting. What we want is one perfect YouTube channel that we can put our kids down in front of, like from day two, once we're tired of them, right? And then they can learn everything at their own pace, Mm -hmm. but it's all the same teacher in the same, like, but it's this one-on-one direct instruction, but it's, it should have feedback. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, now let's, let's build in some of these LMS features, but like, that sucks. There's no creativity in that. Yeah. It's the, um, you, you it, and this is, it's an, it's another interesting thing. Cause we were talking, uh, Heidi and I were talking about this and this, it's, it, there's this balance between uh, prescriptive and, and synthesis, right. You know, like, like there's a certain element to use your recipe thing, right where you're like, to make this cake requires these things and these techniques. Okay, that, that's very prescriptive. But like, are we then okay with those, that being the only cake that possibly exists? And I would venture to say everyone agrees with no, right? Like we, we would want more cakes, right? And you, you need to, like you do need to understand the the prescriptive elements of what makes a cake right but that's not really like i guess what it is is like that's not a control thing right that's a that's a this is what cake is right and and either you want to participate with cake or not right which i obviously do want to participate with cake um you know but but there are other options and like i i almost wish we would just like you know, I think, I think a lot of this has to do with control and, and agency, right? You know, so to that, to that extent, you know, like, I guarantee you, if I went to, uh, if I did the same, um, if I did the same search on LinkedIn for, like, dessert chef, I would probably find more specific guidance on what that chef is supposed to do than the job recs for an instructional designer, right? And, and I think that in reality might, might be the, I mean, that might be one of the primary issues that like, if you want this particular chef to be able to make these things, well, that's really, really clear, right? Um, and, and then it's as it's, it's easy as, you know, like that, that's like a thing, right? You know, so there- Pastry chef is not a short order cook. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we, and that kind of gets back, we were, we were discussing this a while ago is like, do there just need to be more definitions of what an instructional designer are? Is it, do we want, you know, like line, like line ID, like insert this person into here and they can do this part of Addy, right? Like all day, every day. Right. Or, or are we trying to hire people or people are trying to hire people that are like, you know, like to your extent, like what you're saying is do it all right? Well, do it all is, if you think about do it all, like do, do it all is a, you know, like a, a chef that own, like started their own uh, business, right? You know, so there's a whole nother, there's understanding the market opportunity. There's un, like, 
it, it breeds out. So yeah, both of those people, the, the guy that's working at Applebee's and the guy that's working at a four Michelin star, both of those cook food, right? But each of those people do it drastically differently and you won't be able to swap those people out. And the fact that instructional designer is a blanket term that you can, you can look up or you can Google and the job recs are complete, like, you know, like 60% commonality, but 40% all over the place is probably indicative that we need to better differentiate or the industry or enterprise needs to better differentiate what, what we mean by uh, instructional designers. And maybe, I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, maybe it's, it's almost that simple, but to, I think that'll be, I think that'll be a challenge for us um, for the foreseeable future until we, you get that, like almost you get that buy-in, right? Like, and, and maybe that buy-in only happens when people, you know, understand that like, no, you know, um, tiramisu is delicious, right? You don't just need pound cake, you know, like, yeah. So you need someone then to know how to make tiramisu, right? Like that's well, the a. Thing is, so people, it all comes back to teaching and the definition of an instructional designer is vague because we don't, we want the artist. We don't want the specialist. So when you get, when you're looking for teachers, you're looking for a high school physics teacher, a middle school science teacher, but then like K-5 certified can do everything. The thing is, I really don't want five through 10 year olds learning science or more importantly, learning math from people who aren't specialists in math, right? Part of what turned me off from math at an early age was that you know, it was just something to do. Here's this thing to trudge through. It's a means to an end instead of finding the cool things that were interesting to me. There were some people that just needed the means to an end, but I needed to see the pattern. Um, I've been playing the violin since I was 10 years old. I'm not a musician, right? I can play the notes on the page. Right. I don't make music when I play my violin. Yeah, that, that's a good point because I do the same with guitar. I I, I could not. Uh, I I am not a musician. Yes, I can't synthesize music. Um, I mean, I, I obviously I could put notes in different orders, and and do some stuff, right? And maybe that's sure. when you can do that, right? But like, I agree. I, I would not identify myself as a musician because, like, I I need to read. I need to read the music, right? Or well, it's not even that. It's that when I play, music doesn't come out sound comes out hmm. okay yeah yeah. See yeah yeah so like when you go into a classroom i I've, I've got a couple of you know really specific examples at my school of people who are really very very knowledgeable in their area and horrible classroom teachers hmm. yeah because can they manage the classroom? Sure. Do fights break out? No. Do people turn in their homework? Most of the time. Did their kids pass the end of course exam? Enough so that everybody's happy. Yeah. Right. But like, do people walk away with an appreciation for that subject? Mm -hmm. No. 
do they have anything more than just the basic understanding of what was needed for, for the test? Nope. There's no curiosity that's triggered in that learning event. Oh, oh, well, over those 89 learning events of that semester. They're making sound, they're not making music. Yeah. Instructional designers have to be musicians. These are good things to ponder. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that needs to go in. I'm glad it's still recording. Some of that needs to go into the transcript. Oh, it's going in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut it. <clears throat> I'm going to say, Jeremy, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate you uh, participating in this endeavor. Uh, you have no idea how thankful I am for, for everything you brought to the table uh, here and foremost. And that's it. Um, Jeremy and I wound up talking for like another hour and 10 minutes, uh, but some of that uh, was definitely not appropriate for a podcast uh, of this type, if you will. So uh, I cut uh, almost all of that stuff out because uh, it, was, it was just kind of, um, for lack of a better term, bitching about academic stuff. <laughs> that, as you do. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so... Uh, thanks for sticking around if you've stuck around this long. And uh, next episode will be the last of the mini-series. I appreciate everyone coming along with the journey, uh, on the journey with us uh, thus far. And uh, yeah, if, uh, as always, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, feedback at all, uh, just reach out on LinkedIn or email me. Uh, all that stuff is up there. Otherwise, uh, thanks and I hope you have a wonderful week. See you guys.